Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bienvenidos, señoras y señores, to the Bleed Los podcast. Uh, now, before we get started, let's get uh, let's take care of some business here. Uh, Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. I mean, you're going to find all the latest odds, matchup info, player news, game trends, all on Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, whether that's the NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. So head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. And joining us this week on the Carne Asada is, if you're a diehard Dodger fan, this man needs no introduction. You guys know him. He's the 1982 Rookie of the Year, Steve Sachs. Steve, how you doing? Thanks for joining us. For some reason, I got kicked out of your beautiful podcast, but I'm back. (laughs) All right, Steve. Thanks for joining us, Steve. How, How are you? How you been? I'm good. How you guys doing? Juan and Roger, good to be with you. Fantastic. So, Steve, before we get into Dodger stuff, I I want you have a podcast and Mm -hmm. it has one of the greatest titles, I think, um, probably (laughs) podcasts can go. And that is Sacks in the Morning. So tell us, how how did you come up with the title and why a podcast, Steve? Okay, so uh, I'm I'm a speaker and, um, you know, they they call us motivational speakers. I, I don't know if we can really motivate, but you try to inspire people and that's what I do in my speaking business. So um, what I do is I have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I have these three shorts. They're called shorts, uh, three to five minutes of of motivational shots that you can get uh, before you're going into work. If you're getting ready for work, if you're driving there and uh, you can turn these things on and get a little rocket ship shot of uh, inspiration before you start your work. And then on Thursday, we have a long form guest that can, that's about 30 minutes uh, from different walks of life. And uh, the byline of the podcast is sports, money, and life. So we can get anybody from different uh, aspects of life. Uh, but the good thing is the crux of the deal is Monday, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays, three to five minutes of motivation before you start work. Fabulous. So h- how do you like it? How do you like Love it. Do- Love it. Uh, hey, guys, we've had, we're, we just passed our 200th show. So we're on the way. We're not going to be just this fly-by-night. I got a great crew uh, from, you know, guys in, in the production booth to, uh, you know, all the way through. Everybody in my team is great. They, they do a great job. And um, it's reflecting in the numbers right now. So we're we're starting to really get some ground game, uh, some traction. And, um, you know, as time goes on, we just get better and better. So looking forward to being here for a long time. And where can we uh, listen to this? Anywhere you get your podcast, uh, Spotify, Apple, doesn't matter. Wherever you download your podcast, there we are. Sacks in the morning. You know, uh, it's too bad that my co-host Alicia Del Valle couldn't join us because she does listen to you every morning and she was raving about it. She was the one nice. she's like, we need to have Sacks on because <laughs> I listen, I listen to, you know, and I didn't know that it was motivational, that those, that's what you were dropping yeah. episodes. I thought you were doing a regular talk show format. 
No, no, it's just a, it's just a motivational uh, ideas about different different parts. A lot of them are just stories that we that kind of tie in with a, a certain theme that we're doing that week or for that you know just for that day it could be. But we have kind of a theme that we work with. We have authors on. We've had Al Jean, the executive producer of The Simpsons, has been on. We've had lots of Hall of Famers on. We've had Mike Kowalski, 39 years drummer for the famous Beach Boys band. Uh, he's been on. So we got we got a lot more coming, though, a lot more in the uh, in the pipeline. They're going to be on in, in, for the rest of this year and then starting off for next year. Well, you mentioned it, Steve, and I can't pass it up. I mean, you were in a classic episode of The Simpsons. Do you still does anybody still reference that when they come across you? I'm looking right now, and if I have some, I get autograph stuff requests still, believe it or not, um, that come through the mail. And I would say, guys, that are probably a third of them are people that want to get want me to autograph like a Simpson caricature uh, or something to do with the Simpsons. They always mention it, um, and it's still it's still you know out there. They still play this episode around the start of baseball season, so it's still a pretty Pretty big, uh, you know, show that they that they have. Matter of fact, Al told me it's in their top three. The uh, Homer at Bat is the name of the show. Wow! How, how cool. was how was that experience of being a cartoon? Did you find it easy or? Well, it's 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 kind of it's kind of weird how they do this. So you go into the studio. Don Mattingly and I, Don Mattingly and I went into the studio in Orange County together when we were here playing the Angels and. So you go in there, you, they give you the lines to do. They say, try it this way, try it this way. And, and then they take the, all the, you know, all, all the content and they send this content out to Japan where they link up, they synchronize the, the words with the lip movements. And that takes them nine months, they say, to get all that right. It takes them nine months back then to do one episode. So you can imagine the amount of, work that goes in to just building, you know, one 30 minute Simpsons episode. It, it, it takes a lot of work for these guys. Wow. Uh, go ahead, Roger. Hey, Steve. So uh, back to uh, the facts in the morning, you've also done facts in the morning with uh, AM 570 here in LA, right? Correct. How, how did that come about? Correct. Doing that? It, well, you know, Tim Cates is a, a friend of mine and uh, about four or five years ago, he said, Hey, why don't you come on in the morning uh, because this is the flagship for the Dodger Network, and we'll we'll do some recap. We'll talk some World Series stuff to preempt the games, or uh, or maybe do uh, an aftermath uh, the next day of one of the games. And we started doing that, and and it started catching on. We had some really good reviews, and then pretty soon, I just I do it every year now. Uh, it seems with uh, with the Dodgers. Too bad this year was just such a short year, but uh, I really enjoy that. Uh, Don Martin, the 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 main guy over there. Super people um, love all the people over there. They do a great job, and and uh, they're just so professional and friendly. Yeah, I just really enjoy doing that part uh, of the season. Look forward to it. So yeah, so obviously, short short uh, postseason. You know, in the four games. Um, speaking. So what what do you think? What was the biggest? I guess mistake or what what happened to the Dodgers this postseason that they, they couldn't finish well, off that 111 one season yeah what a season it was for them 111 games they win um and I, I think you know baseball has three different seasons it has spring training then it has the regular season uh and then it has postseason so 
anything can happen. I mean, in, in that time, the, the, the San Diego Padres are, they got a lot of talent on that team. And the bad part about that uh, series with the Dodgers is that they played them at the wrong time. And any team can beat any team in a, in a five or even seven game series depends on how you're trending at the time. And the Dodgers were certainly playing good. They came off that 111 season, 111 win season. I don't like the fact that they had to sit out a little bit beforehand. That couldn't have helped them taking a week off. But nonetheless, that's the way it's structured. And um, they played the Padres when they were hot. Man, they had everybody on that team clicking. You Darvish was pitching well. And the, the bullpen for the Padres was dynamite. And they just went from there. So they played a team at the wrong time. And that's just what happens. I mean, you're going to see this in the, in the World Series. Both those teams, Houston and Philadelphia, are playing really, really good right now. So they're both playing each other at the wrong time. So we'll, it's not one or the other that's that's better than the other as far as on a roll or the momentum that they've acquired because they both got it. So it's like two freight trains are going to be coming at each other. So we'll see what happens. So you you think that that layoff really did affect the Dodgers, like you know, hitting wise, timing wise? Because they came out they came out pretty good in that first game, the first couple innings. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, Roger, I. I said that that uh, any t- baseball players are such a such creatures of habit, especially when you look at the pitching staff and whatnot. And when you take them out of that element, when you take a week off, I know they're having batting practice and all that, but that's not that's not the real thing. When you take that much time off, a day or two is okay, but we take a week off. It it kind of sets a new momentum or lack of it in motion or takes it away. And, and that's what I think happened. I think that was some of it. Do I think that the, the Dodgers are a better team than them? Well, I think they have more talent. But at that particular time when they played the, uh, the Padres, the Padres were smoking hot. They were playing them with house money. They had yep. no business being there. The Dodgers just destroyed them. But were the Dodgers really, you know, uh, only what? They were 15 and four during the season, I, I guess, against the Padres. Were they 15 and four? Better than the Padres, really? Probably not. Uh, I think they they have more talent, but it's just at that time, fifteen and four, man. You know, it's it's going to turn around a little bit somewhere because I don't think there was that much of a difference between those teams. I mean, the Dodgers are going to be around. The good thing about the Dodgers is their window is big. They're gonna they're gonna have opportunities to go to postseason for a lot of years, and not a lot of teams can say that. But the Dodgers are certainly going to be able to because that's how good their team is. Yeah, go ahead, Owen. Uh, Steve, I wanted to ask you something. Justin Turner um, made a statement on his Instagram. Basically, I, I don't want to say he was apologizing to the fans, but basically saying the same thing that everybody, I think, was asking themselves. Like, what happened? How did this team that won 111 games lose like this? And I found mm-hmm. that I, I feel like Justin Turner was more accountable in the Dodgers organization than, let's say, Andrew Friedman or, or Dave Roberts. I don't think mm-hmm. I've ever read. You guys tell me if I'm wrong. I don't remember a player coming out like that and basically taking a bullet for the whole team. Justin mm-hmm. Turner was not the mm-hmm. only one who underperformed on that on that team in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen something yeah. like that? No, no, but when you think about it, that's, that's a, that's a kind of good guy Justin Turner is. He's a leader and, you know, leaders will do that. They'll step out and they'll take that bullet for the team. I don't, 
Uh, it's, you know, look, I know a lot of people want to blame this person or that person, but it, it's really, there's really no one to blame. I mean, there's no guarantee because you win 111 games that you're going to win it. In 1983, we beat the Phillies 11 of 12 games during the regular season. And then the, and the, and we, that's the, that's the team we played in the postseason. They beat us four straight. We were done. And, you know, in, in 88, we, we uh, lost to, to the Mets 10 of 11. One game was washed out because of rain. And then we beat them in seven. So it's just the way baseball is. Uh, you know, it, I think a lot of people want to blame a coach or a manager. I, I, I'm not of that effect. I, I think that this game is won and lost with the players. And uh, that's where it is. You know, it, it, it's not that, um, you know, you can say somebody underperformed or whatever, but it's such a short series. It doesn't define the team. Um, it's postseason baseball, and that's what happens. It's just, it's just what happens. You can't figure it out. You can't really go there and say, "Well, these guys didn't play well." Well, you know what? How they do during the season—that's the better idea of what kind of a player they are. Is you can look at what they did during the season and say, "That's a pretty darn good team. 111 wins. They just, you know, they caught these guys at a bad time." You know, Steve. Uh, anybody who's a loyal listener to the show knows that. Uh, I, the 1985 NLCS is the reason why I have post-traumatic stress disorder when it comes to the playoffs. And we had one of your teammates uh, on the show, Tom Needenfuhrer. I actually got ambushed because all my life I've been cursing poor Tom Needenfuhrer's name, saying every time the Dodgers lose, we got Needenfuhrer. And then my producer over here, Babyface, surprises me and brings Needenfuhrer on, on, on the show. And... You know, Needenfear pointed out a lot of things about that 1985 NLCS, especially the way he was used, the way he, uh, the injuries that you guys had, because Howe was not available. Steve Howe was not available. And Tom told me yeah. something. He said to me, he's like, even if we win game six, Juan, how the hell are we going to win game seven against John Tudor? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I'm leading this only just because the re I feel the Dodgers losing, the fans are really, really angry. And I feel mm -hmm. like it's going to take a while to get over this. How aware are players of the toxicity that are coming from fans? Because I think it's getting worse. I, I don't know if in 1985 you guys ever had to deal with stuff like this. But I feel now the fans' reaction to the Dodgers not winning, it, it, it's kind of just, you know, crossing the line. Yeah. Um, well, there's so much expected because, you know, there's the talent. You can see the talent on the team, the 111 wins. Um, the, the dissemination of information today is it's such a, a, a fevered pitch. I mean, it really is. I mean, you know, you're, the players now where, you know, Mike's out when they're in the outfield. Nothing is sacred anymore. These they're in the locker rooms, they're in the dugouts, they're on the field when they're playing, and they're talking to the players while they're playing. And so, you know, they they feel like they they really know a lot about them, and they do. But you know, the bottom line is, hey, look, the game. There is no guarantees in baseball. It could, the ball can bounce either way. Guy might not quite have it that day. And somebody else does. And that's just what happens. You, you know, if you can't, all you can do is do, go out and do your best. And after that, you got to let the chips fall where they may. That's just the way it is. 
Go ahead, Roger. I think you had a, a follow up for that one, didn't you? Well, I just I just wanted to go back to to one of the the stories that Tom Needenfewer told us, and it's it's a famous story that we all heard of. Uh, and I know Steve's heard this one too before. When when Tommy asked uh, Pedro Guerrero uh, what he's thinking when he's out there on the field, and, and he says, you know, please God, don't hit it to me. And then he says, anything else? And he says, please don't hit hit it to Saxy. So I wanted to hear Steve's reaction to to that that story. What what how that story actually go down, Steve? Uh, I've never heard that before. You never heard that story before? No. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, never heard. Did did they say anything about me leaving the league and fielding when I went to the Yankees? Did you ever hear that story? We we did. Yeah. I mean, we oh, you know. didn't hear that one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a true story. <laughs> and and actually, that was, that was three years in a row. See, that, there's anyway. another reason to hate yeah. Eden Fear now, huh, Steve? <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. And, we didn't. We didn't lose. We didn't actually lose because of Tom Needenfuhrer. I mean, we there were we had plenty of chances to put put those guys away. We didn't lose because Tom gave up a home run. Although it was probably the furthest home run I've ever seen in my life. The one that Clark hit. Uh, don't worry about it, Tom. I didn't hear that story about me though. Don't worry about it, Tom. Um, yeah. And incidentally, I don't think that ball's even come down yet. I think it had reentry burns on it when it came back into the stratosphere. Uh, but that's the way it is, you know. Hey, Steve, I, I, before we wrap things up, I do want to ask something about, you, you know, on this, we're all big Fernando Valenzuela fans. That's the reason why a lot of us. Yo también. And look at that. Now Steve is an official compadre of the show. There we go. Next interview is just going to be in puro español. Okay, Steve? Solamente en español, no inglés. So... You know, we had Dale Murphy on the show. We've had, we've talked to players. Like Dale Murphy was so surprised to hear that Valenzuela's jersey was not retired. They don't yeah. give the number out. We talked to Stan Caston. We asked Stan Caston the question. I'm curious as to what is it actually going to take to retire that number? They don't give the number out. Jerry Hairston told us that if if someone on the Dodgers came up to him and said, here, wear number 34, he'd be like, I'm not going to wear that number. That's that's Fernando's number. Yeah. Right, right, right. I, I agree. Uh, numero uh, 34. Oye, uh, uh, como, uh, numero 6, Steve Garvey, también. ¿Por qué no? Y el 3, Steve? No, no, 3, no 3. <laughs> Look, I think you got to put a statue of a lot of guys for Dodger Stadium. I mean, Steve Garvey deserves one. Fernando Valenzuela deserves one. I mean, I think they have one of Sandy, don't they? Sandy yeah, Koufax? Yeah. Yes. Good, because they should. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of guys that uh, I think that they could put up there. Um, you know, so, but but yeah, Fernando's jersey absolutely should be retired. He Fernando, as I, as I said on a show that I just uh, did before I came on with you guys, Fernando changed the Fernando changed the the Dodger organization. It put them into a completely different stratosphere with the fan base when he really um, brought about th this this tremendous Latino fan base into Dodger Stadium, and that was all because of Fernando. He did that. He he changed the way that they market. They changed the way that they did things. Three million a year, uh, as far as fans coming to Dodger Stadium, was now expected, and that was because of Fernando Valenzuela. Now, were you guys that aware of it when you were playing on the field? Like, oh, yeah. hey, something's different. No doubt, no, no doubt about it. I mean, when he pitched, there was an absolute buzz in the stands. 
we were excited to play behind them. And and the fan, it was always fifty some thousand on a, on a Tuesday night in in the you know a Tuesday night in in the, in April or May. I mean, early in the season, he would pack the place out all the way to the Raptors. That's the way it was with Fernando. We're gonna let you go. I got two more uh, for you, real quick. Okay, sure. you you left as a hero. I mean, I remember when you signed with the Yankees. I was pissed, man. It was just like, <laughs> I didn't want to go. I was like, how did the Dodgers not sign Sachs? Because I, I did not want to leave. Because unlike Tom Needenfear, Steve, I was one of those guys that uh, I did focus on the fact that you hit, you were the leadoff guy, and you always got yeah. on. So yeah, there's you. a lot of talk that Cody Bellinger might not come back for the Dodgers. When you're so, when you've played your whole career and all you know is one organization, how do you deal? Like when you showed up in New York. Was it a shock to you, or were you, hey, I'm a professional, I, I'm going to handle this? Oh, I, I felt I could handle it. I mean, because my game was simple. I didn't, I, you know, I was a contact hitter. Uh, I didn't have the pressure of hitting home runs. And, you know, I, I just, my game was simple. Get on base, steal bases, and play good defense. And I had a, I had a great guy to work with in Don Mattingly, and that's one of the reasons why I was a top fielder in my position in, in the American League when I played there because Don Mattingly was a big help for me. And, um, so I, I didn't, I didn't feel that, um, I, I had kind of like, uh, a, a lot of inner confidence, um, that, that I could take my talent somewhere else and I could be successful. And I was going to a team that was really, really strong offensive team, no pitching, but a strong offensive team. And, uh, that would bode well for me. And, and it did. You know, that's part of the things that I think that's not talked enough, especially with the fans. You didn't want to go. And, I mean, no. how does how do you deal when a team doesn't meet your numbers, so to speak, or a team is going to, like, we're going in a different direction? Um, okay. And then I just uh, went out and I went to the teams. You know, I had a lot of offers, but I wanted to go to New York because I would have gone Steinbrenner on handshake. When I got there, we talked about the the amount of money. See, when people change jobs or in business today, certainly in baseball, whatever, lots of times it's not because of the money. The money in my situation was probably third on the list. It, it's not. It wasn't the main reason. And when I went to New York and met George in Florida to get the deal done, he says, uh, "This is what you're asking for." Okay, what's the next thing? That's how much we talked about the money. About a microsecond. And that was it. And then all the other stuff that came along with it. And he uh, he came true on everything that he said in the three years that I was there. Every single thing. And like I said, I would have worked with him on a handshake. Okay, compadre. We're going to end the show See, the way we we end all our – okay, go ahead, Roger. No, I just wanted to ask. So you played in the big, in the two biggest markets, right, New York, L.A., and you know we've seen like, Chicago. Joe, yeah, well, Chicago, and we saw how Joey Gallo came over from New York this season to LA, and he he had it bad in New York. How do you compare the two markets? I mean, did you feel the pressure in New York or or LA? Was it kind of the same? Um, well, you know that's a great question. That's a great question, Roger. And and what I what I did was when I had my press conference when I went to New York, I said, look, I know you uh, writers have a lot of work to do. You have a job to do. I respect that. I have a job to do. I'll always be here, good or bad game. I'll be able, I'll talk, I'll face the music. But if you guys rip me for something I didn't do, and I get the game when he hit in the seventh game of the World Series, I'm not talking to you. That's the way it is. So I never had one problem with the press. 
because I, I was up front with them and I laid it out to them. There were plenty of games where I, I was lousy and I stuck to my word. I, I talked to them and, and I took, I took the bullets. I took the arrows in and they never had, I never had a problem with the press in New York. I had a great relationship with those guys. Really did. There we go. Okay, compadre. So, uh, okay. we are all about the Dodgers here. We're all about LA, but we're all about tacos. So, necesitamos oh, yeah. saber cuál es tu favorito taco y a dónde vas a comprar ese taco. Uh, mi, mi favorito es uh, uh, el sombrero en, uh, en Roseville, California. Mi uh, número 11 uh, uh, taco de, de duro y uh, uh, shredded beef y un uh, que, uh, enchilado con queso sin cilantro, sin crema. Uh, and uh, es todo, es mi favorito número 11 en el, en el menu <laughs> there you have it I, I, I was a big fan of you growing up Steve I'm even a bigger fan now knowing that you make the effort <laughs> you know, you, you put yourself hey look I've had a lot of, like, Alana Rizzo tells us this all the time, that she's not confident in her Spanish. And I think to allow yourself to be that vulnerable, to put yourself out there, is a big deal. And one more thing, as we end the show to Tom Needenfear, I don't know why you would mess up and want to mess with Steve Sachs. He's a black belt. Is that correct, Steve? Are you still a black belt? Oh, I can't hear you guys. Oh, okay. Are you a black belt, Steve? Can you hear us? I know we're losing the connection right now. You guys are kind of robotic. I can't really hear you. Okay, we'll, we'll talk I, later. I, I think you said we're closing out the show. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Steve. I, 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 I don't know if you we're, if we're still breaking up. I just wanted to end the show by saying you're a black belt and could probably kick all of our asses, so we shouldn't be making up stories. <laughs> I can hear you now. I don't know about that, but thank you anyway. <laughs> you're welcome. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. El numero tres. Thank you, guys. The permanent second baseman. And a big thank you to El Compadre, Steve Sachs. Look at that, throwing down the Spanish, making everybody know, letting everyone know that he is a bilingue. And uh, so whenever you guys do see Steve Sachs out there, uh, make sure that you, you speak to him in, in Espanol because El Compadre sabe. So, uh, again, for those of you who haven't listened to him, the Princesa de Picolandia, who is not here, she vouches for Sachs in the Morning, his new podcast. Well, it's not new because he's got 200 episodes. He's already, I mean, good for him doing basically four episodes a week. So make sure you guys uh, check out Sacks in the Morning. And uh, a big thank you to the man who, you know, when I was growing up, he was my second baseman. Babyface, what, what, what did you think about uh, Mr. Sacks? Yeah, like you said, uh, I remember Steve Sachs. When did he? When did he come? Did he come up at the end of '81? Was he around? He came up. Yeah, he right? came up at the end of '81. Yeah. So right, right. You know that championship team there, and then coming '82. Remember the big deal was uh, he was replacing Davy Lopes. So that was the you know the big the big deal. I, I still remember there was a, I think it was like in the L.A. Times they had like a caricature a drawing like you'd see um it was Steve, it was Steve Sachs and he had to fill the big shoes of of. Uh, Davy Lopes, so he's like in these big giant cleats. I don't know why that just sticks out to me. Like, uh, like I, said, I don't know if it was LA Times or something, but I remember that that little drawing, and like I remember Steve Sachs hearing about Steve Sachs. He's coming up, and yeah, he came up. You know, rookie of the year, right? Rookie of the year. You know, and he gets uh, and he you know he's with the team. You know, through the the playoff runs in in early '80s, and then '88 they get that 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 World Series title. But yeah, it was interesting uh, that he noted that. He didn't want to leave. 
he wanted to be a Dodger. He wanted to stay with the Dodgers, and you know the Dodgers didn't, you know, you know for whatever reason they didn't they didn't resign him, and he moved on to the Yankees. So that was pretty interesting to hear that. Because I, I I think that might be a good precursor to what happens to to Cody Bellinger, if for some reason the Dodgers decide not to tender him, and he's going to have to look elsewhere for for I mean I know you still think that the Dodgers. Do you, or have you changed your mind? Do you think the Dodgers are going to go ahead and and tender a contract to him? I mean, not not at what they're saying he'd, he'd probably be getting right. It's like eighteen million, so I don't think he's going to get. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't see them saying, "Okay, here's another year for eighteen million. Like I said, if anything, they probably want to work something out. I mean, I mean, I'm not sure they're ready to, you know, just cut him loose. But like I said, I. I I think they'd want to work something out, maybe, you know, two years and maybe like, you know, 10 million a year or something. something Wait, like that. So, so they can go ahead and restructure it because right now he's making yeah. 17, right? Yeah. Cause so if they don't, the... I mean, he'd become a free agent, so he'd be able to talk to anybody, you know, once, right. if they don't offer him a contract. So, uh, but if they do tender him a contract then that means his salary has to go up, it can't be any lower than 17, right? More than likely, yeah. I mean, it never goes down, right? They he'd, yeah. he'd go, it'd be, um, you know, they they tender him a contract and he'd go to arbitration, you know. So the Dodgers might offer, you know, a little bit more than we did last year, and he might even go higher. So, you know, it depends. You know, it's funny because the more and more we talk to players, I mean, Carroll said the same thing, Sachs said the same thing. Baseball is random. There is no explanation. I, I, I want to transition into what Justin Turner posted on his Instagram. Uh, do you remember another player after a disappointing end to the season coming out there and basically, he didn't say it, but to me the tone was, hey, it's on it's on me. I'm sorry, guys. I mean, I didn't see it more as much as like saying like, hey, it's on it's on me, but I saw – a different type of post because you always get, you know, you'll get posts from players. Hey, thanks. You know, thanks for, thanks for the support this year. You know, thanks. You know, just kind of just a real casual, like, you know, thanks. like Trey Turner's post. Is that what you're talking about? I mean, that was kind of the reaction to Trey Turner's, you know, people just kind of just a, here's a post, you know, Hey, thanks. Thanks for, for the thanking the fans, whatever. But Turner's uh, Justin's was different. It was like, he basically was expressing the same feelings that us as fans, we're feeling like, you know, the hurt, the sadness, the tears, you know, said he even said the, what the F happened? Like he was, it was like a fan was like speaking out, you know, through, through Turner and he was there and he, he knows exactly what the fans are feeling, what they were thinking, the hurt, everything. So I have never seen a post like that from a player um, kind of, you know, getting into the shoes as a fan and saying, yeah, like I have no answers because, he doesn't know what happened, just like we don't know what happened, right? Like, he was expecting something else. It didn't happen, just like we were expecting something else. It didn't happen. And he's, like, he's like in the same place as, as us, the fans. So do you think that that's how he was feeling? Or do you think he's hearing the chatter? Because, look, I, I can't stress enough. I think the fans are pissed. I think the anger is starting to die down. But I still feel like this is going to stick with fans a lot more. I, I, I feel like going into spring training next year, next year, 
fans are still going to be bringing up what happened in this postseason. So do do you think that 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 JT hears that chatter? I mean, I'm sure they all hear it, but like I said, I think he he's feeling it, you know, because like you know, JT grew up a Dodger fan, right? We've all heard the story. His earliest memory is seeing Gibby hit that home run, so he grew up a Dodger fan. He is a Dodger fan, right? So yeah. he he knows he knows what all the struggles the Dodgers have been in from you know from that time to now. He, he even mentioned it, you know, this run. I think that's that's the thing. It's this run of ten years. You know, in nine years, they haven't been successful. And, and he knows it. He feels that. And, and and you feel that. You feel that in the city. You know, you feel that frustration. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, like I said, you know, he they all hear it. So let me ask you this. I know. Well, I want to hear. Now we're seeing all these stories about how the Dodgers need to be a serious suitor for Aaron Judge. And... You know, I I saw, I I read someone's tweet and they had said, let Trey Turner walk, let Aaron Judge walk, because these are guys that haven't performed in the postseason. Uh, The way, I don't know if you heard Justin, I mean, um, Aaron Judge's uh, last interview, he sure sounded like a guy that was talking about the Yankees in the past tense in terms of his career, saying that he, you know, he is very proud of everything he's done with the Yankees. He just wished he could have brought them a championship. So, I mean, what do you feel? Do you want Aaron judge? Do you want the Dodgers to, to pursue him? Or do you think this is just once again, the Dodgers coming in to raise the price on a free agent, even though the Dodgers may legitimately have no interest in him, but agents, uh, you know, p- PR people are going to use the Dodgers to try to leverage other teams. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily that the Dodgers are, you know, trying to be a user, but we, we've mentioned this before. Anytime there's a big free agent name out there, right, the Dodgers are always going to be associated. The Dodgers are always going to kick the tires. They're going to check it out. They're going to see if, you know, adding this guy will improve the team or not. And, you know, Aaron Judge, he's He's gonna he's he's the biggest free agent this this offseason, right? So of course they're gonna they're gonna look at it. But I mean I, I don't see it as I, I don't I don't see it happening. I mean not not right now, not not with what's the early chatter. Um I, I think I told you guys more. I mean I'd wait till who's the guy coming out next year? Shohei, right? So I think I'd I'd wanna wait more for Shohei next year. And and one other thing too is we're you know, Dodgers can get all the players they want, right? Aaron Judge, Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts. But when it comes down to it, these guys need to perform in October. October, not the regular season anymore, right? We I've said this before. I don't care what happens in the regular season. It's got to be October. And Aaron Judge, he didn't show up this October either. So, well, see, and this is why I'm talking about that. I I think a seed has now been planted next year. If the Dodgers go out to a great start, if the Dodgers are just blowing everyone away, everyone's just going to sit there and just be like, yeah, but what are they going to do in the postseason? I I mean, it's, it's one of those harsh realities. I mean, they built an all-star team this year and they have nothing to show for it. So I I don't think they're going to go after judge. I think people are going to say a bunch of rumors and again, it's all going to be leveraged. But 
this is the thing that I hate about the offseason is now there's going to be all these crazy rumors, all these crazy theories, like the rumor of trading Will Smith. Now, if you trade Will Smith, you have Austin Barnes. Who else is going to be your catcher? Are you going to make Austin Barnes then your everyday catcher? Yeah, I don't I don't get that either cuz next in line would be who? It's Diego, right? Unless, unless um, I mean the way they're rushing Dalton up, Dal- yeah, yeah. I mean even Dalton rushing, I think he's still he's still a ways away. I mean Diego's at least what maybe twenty four, maybe twenty three at the end of twenty three. Like he's still what actually twenty three next year, right? Yeah, so twenty four. So yeah, so I don't, I don't, I don't see it. I mean unless they're gonna pick up, you know, just a. Uh, you know, some other backup catcher and just kind of wait. But I, I don't see them because right now the, their catching position is a, is a position of strength. Yes. Right? And they, yeah. they have one of the, they have one of the better catchers, if not the best catcher in, in the league. Right. So why would you want to get rid of that, you know, and, and downgrade? Yeah, I, I don't get that rumor either. And it's always very curious to me who the hell starts these rumors of, of trading Will Smith. Another thing, I don't know if you saw the piece that Bill Plaschke recently wrote where he was just basically saying that Dave Roberts needs help in the dugout. And what they basically, what Plaschke was advocating for was to replace the coaches around him. So that means Bob Guerin getting, I think, the analytics coach. And here's my thing with with that point of view. If Plachke is saying that Roberts needs more help in the dugout, doesn't that mean that Roberts is not a good manager if he needs that much help? Yeah, I mean, the only person I would see is maybe like you know, Garen, right? If they replaced uh, you know his his um his bench coach, right, and and get a new bench coach. I mean, that's something. Maybe some that's gonna. But I mean, how much? How much? Does a bench coach factor really like? Do you do you ever see managers like really like making decisions based on what the bench coach tells them to do? I mean, I don't know. I've never I've never really seen that. Right? That to me is Plaschke's argument here. I just to me just doesn't make any sense. You know who they use that argument for all the time was Mattingly. Hey, get Mattingly a good bench coach, and then Mattingly will be a good manager. So then, if that's the case. Why am I not hiring the bench coach as my manager? What the hell do I need Mattingly for? It just feels like, you know, the media people who are writing are looking for a scapegoat to uh, for the Dodgers' postseason failure. And look, Karos has said it, and Sack said it on the on the episode. Baseball is random. There are no explanations to things. I mean, I had totally forgot about 1983 about how the Dodgers had dominated the Phillies during the regular season and then got swept. What does that remind you of? That's what happened to the Dodgers now. So, it's look, we talked about this when we had Jim Alexander on the show. Baseball just seems to repeat itself. History, especially with the Dodgers, it just repeats itself. So do the Dodgers really need to make this many changes? Is it just a matter of making a couple of tweaks and then just getting hot at the right time. I think it's just people that are just, they just want to see changes. Like, Oh, this didn't work. So you got to change this. You got I think people are just like, there's just, it's just that frustration building up. Like, Oh, you got to change the coaches. And you got to, if you're not going to change the manager, you got to change the other coaches. 
But, you know, they already said they're not going to change the coaches either unless somebody leaves. Clayton McCullough is a finalist for the Royals job. So, you know, if he leaves, then they have a first base opening, you know, first base coach opening. But other than that, they're not going to change anybody. So it seems like they're going to stick with the same, you know, manager and coaching staff. And what's going to change, though, is obviously, you know, some of these players, like we've discussed, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with the Turners. We don't know what's going to happen with Ballinger. Um, so some of those guys are going to change. That's what we're going to see different next season. Yeah, I mean, I, now that there's more time has passed since the Dodgers have been eliminated and and my anger has subsided, I, I'm not as angry anymore and I've accepted the fact that they lost. But what's really sticking with me is, and look, this has been my philosophy. I've always said this. I hope the Dodgers win. I expect them to lose. I'm going to feel the same way next year going into the postseason. Yeah, I hope they win, but I'm expecting something to go horribly wrong that being said if i'm looking at this team this is a team that dominated the regular season yes there's going to be some turnover but is it the definition of insanity if they're keeping everything the same what's going to change what we have been saying all along is the approach in the postseason has to change if everybody's coming back and it's going to be the same core guys you have the same coaching staff are they going to change their approach in the postseason? Are they going to do with look? Uh, to me, it's hard to argue with the fact that it's like, hey, you got to stick with what got you here, and it's like, okay, I, I mean, it makes sense, right? If you've had success with that, why wouldn't you have success in the postseason? Well, you just can't factor in the fact that baseball is very random, and what has worked for you all season long, all of a sudden, stops working, and there's no explanation for it. I mean, but what what can you change? How can you prepare for the postseason differently from the regular season, right? Obviously, the postseason, you know, you have shorter matchups, right? Best three out of five. And, you know, just like in baseball during the season, right? It could be June, right? Middle of June. You have a bad five-game stretch, right? It happens, it, happens, it happens all the time. Now, unfortunately, this happened for the Dodgers right out of the gate, right? They had that bad, bad couple of days, and... Boom, they're out of the playoffs. So it's like, how do you prepare for that? Like, how do you how do you prepare for guys going cold? And and this is what I've never understood. How does an entire team go cold, right, at the same time? Like, yeah, but that, I mean, that, that, that always happens. It's the, I mean, if there was a solution to that, nobody would be in a slump. The only thing that I would really love to see, and we saw it in the seventh inning of that game four, it felt like all of a sudden in that inning the Dodgers got aggressive. They had the double steal. They had the bunt. You know, I I would like to, to me, it felt like there is a sense of urgency. And of course, there's a sense of urgency because it's an elimination game. I wish I would have seen that sense of urgency from the beginning of the playoffs. Now, you go out there and you win game one. And the way it started, it looked like, hey, the Dodgers, it's going to be more of the same, right? The Dodgers are just going to blow them out of this series, the series is over. I mean, Dylan Hernandez is, was saying it's a sweep, right? And then about the fifth inning of that game one, things just completely changed. And from that point on, it became the show pods uh, series. So I, I just don't know if the mentality was kind of like with that, that approach that Phil Jackson has 
with the Lakers when like they can't make a shot and they're down by 20 and he doesn't call a timeout. It's going to be like, oh, it's going to work itself out. And I felt like maybe that's the approach the Dodgers said. Oh, okay, ball's not going our way right now, but eventually everything's going to even out. And the next thing you know, you've been eliminated. Yeah, I mean, I know Chopard fans will get mad and angry at this, but when you look at it, who's a better team, right? Who's a better team, the Dodgers or the Padres, right? Dodgers were, right? But that series... The Dodgers didn't do anything, right? The Bats didn't do it. Even the Padres didn't do much in that series, yeah. but they did They did enough to win, Yes, right? So they got by. In the Philly series, Padres weren't very good in that series at all, right? And in, in, the, in game two, when, when they had that big, they had a big inning, they were able to win that game. But the, the Padres were overmatched by the Phillies. You know, Phillies, Philly, Phillies took it to them, and that could have been easily a sweep. Right, right, right. But that game five, the 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 show pods also, you know, had a good offensive. What let him down was their pitching that day. Yeah, I mean, but like I said, I mean, the Padres advanced, but I, I don't think. Yeah, they were they were winning, right? So they're hot, right? But I don't think they were really necessarily hot like the Phillies. Like I said, you look at look at both those teams. The Phillies are hitting. The Phillies were hitting and they're pitching, right? So that through the lineup, you know, they they have guys like. You know, Harper was going insane. You know, um, Ramudo had his big hits. Reese Hopkins, Reese, uh, Reese uh, Hopkins, right? Hopkins? Yeah, 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 right. Um, Hoskins, had, Hoskins, Hoskins, yeah, Hoskins. There you go. He's had he had like what, like four home runs in that series or something like that. So it's like, you know, he's one of their bigger name players, but maybe not nationally or whatever. But you see, guys are stepping up, you know, through that lineup, and that's what you need. That's what you need in the postseason, right? You need postseason players that are going to step up i i don't know man I'm, I'm just starting to really come across the opinion that we hear from these pros and these former pros it's the randomness if you look at the american league side of things the astros are are undefeated in the playoffs and altuve and alvarez except for the exception of that big home run that alvarez hit really haven't been producing and they're still winning games and it's What's what it's like what you said Good teams really find a way to, to, to win. The Dodgers are a good team. The question that I'm left asking is, why is it they couldn't find a way? I mean, that game three, it was a two-to-one ball game. I mean, that final was a two-to-one. They the, the We've talked endlessly about the runners in scoring situation there, the LOB. And that's the thing. Nine out of ten years, you lose and it always seems to be the same argument every time is that the Dodgers weren't able to execute. Yeah. Why is it other teams were able to execute against the Dodgers and the Dodgers can't execute to them, against them? That, to me, is the randomness uh, of baseball and especially playoff baseball. Yeah, I mean, it's just baseball. I mean, who knows? Maybe in those games, instead of, you know, every guy that was coming up trying to get the big hit, maybe they did, you know, Try to just execute the little things, right? You know, get the guy over, you know, a bunt for a hit, whatever. If they would have done, maybe if they would have resorted to going back to that as opposed to like, okay, I got to get the big hit right here. I got to get the big hit. And I think in that moment, a lot of those guys, that's what they're thinking, right? They're just like, I need to get the big hit. I need to get a big hit instead of just like playing small ball. You know, let me get the guy over. Let me get a, you know, a long out or something. You know, I think that when you think of like, well, how are they going to win in the postseason? I think that they need to have that mentality as well, right? To just, okay, let me do the little things to help the team win. 
Absolutely. And and that's gonna that's gonna do it for this episode. Uh, we want to thank our, our guest Steve Sachs for joining us on the show. Make sure you check out his podcast, Sachs in the Morning, available wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. At the same time, please make sure you're subscribed to this podcast, especially if you're just coming across uh, us for the first time. Subscribe to our podcast. We are also available on YouTube. So if you want to see our beautiful faces, you can go on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can catch past episodes. Um, this We're entering the offseason. I know the World Series is starting, uh, but pretty soon we are going to be in the offseason. So we're so going to continue to do episodes, who, right, Babyface? Yeah, I want to get your pick, too. Who, who's going to win the World Series? Well, I'm a National League guy, so I'm rooting for the Phillies, the fighting Phillies. I'm going Phillies too. I mean, I think if if they keep if they keep it going, I think. Uh, I, I'm going. It. I'm totally subscribing to this randomness theory because on paper the Astros should win and they should win handily. I mean, the Phillies are the sixth seed, but the way the Phillies have been playing, and especially the way Bryce Harper has been playing, I mean. They might be able to to just ride that guy. I, I'm, I'm going to give you a chance here because I know you uh, have comments about Bob Melvin. I wish we had uh, Nick uh, Kreider on the show so we could get his reaction about you know the the show pods pitching to Bryce Harper. Would you have pitched to Bryce Harper? Is that their Jack Clark moment there? Yeah, I'm probably not. But again, it's it's the same thing that we critique or you know fa- fans critique. The Dodgers of Dave Roberts, right? Yeah. So now, now when you when you when you step back and kind of see, you're not just looking at the Dodgers, and you kind of look at everything in general. You kind of see that, hey, this is the exact thing that happens to the Dodgers all the time, right? So it's it's a baseball thing. You see, like, oh, it's it's, it's a baseball thing, right? This happens all the time. Managers make the wrong move, and you know, and then once once it's the wrong move, you're like, why did why did he do that, right? But if he would if if he would have got him out, ah. Good, good move, right there. Yeah. They'll, they'll never say that, right? <laughs> yes. So, to our listeners, look, take it from a man who's been carrying a grudge since 1985. Maybe what we just need to do is look. I understand you're angry. I understand you're frustrated. I think we just need to accept the fact that baseball is random. We all love baseball. It's not like we're going to go change our alliance. It's not like we're going to stop being Dodger fans. We're not going to stop rooting for the Dodgers. Next year, we're going to be watching Dodger games, and we're going to get all riled up. We're going to get our hopes up. Then in the postseason, we just hope that things work out differently. But as Babyface just said, this happens to everybody. There's only one fan base that at the end of the year is going to be happy and was able to avoid the cruelty from the baseball gods. Real, real quick before we before we end this, I saw a tweet. I forgot what writer it was, but he said, "Once the Astros got to the World Series, he said now he said they're a dynasty. We should be calling them a dynasty. Do you think the Astros are a dynasty? If they win, if they win this World Series, uh, I mean that's two. That's two yeah, World but that's, Series. But that's." One, I'll give them one maybe this year because I I don't know what's going to happen in a year or two if something comes out, but that's only one. I, I mean, but they they've been in hot, so they. Have I mean, if been... they if they lose though, now if they lose, how many is that that they've lost? Right, they will have lost. This is their fourth World Series. 
Yeah, so they would be the third, right, if they lose, right? Right. And yeah. so the Dodgers, uh, you know, the Dodgers lost two out of three. So they will, in the same run that the Dodgers have been dominant, the Astros have been in more World Series than the Dodgers. And depending how this one turns out, they may have more World Series than the Dodgers. And I know that everyone wants to just not count the 2017. Look, the reality is Major League Baseball counts that as a World Series championship. So in the end, they're going to say it. And for as much as we want to point out that they cheated, the Dodgers still had opportunities to win. They could have won that World Series. I mean, the Astros, though, they'd be more, that'd be more Buffalo Bills, Braves, right, than... If they, yeah, if, if they hadn't have won that 2017 and they lose to the Phillies, then I agree with you. I agree with you in that sense. Like these guys repeatedly get to the World Series and they can't get over the top. It's the same argument that they use on Kershaw, right? He gets there all the time and he just doesn't perform. I, I mean, we'll we'll see. I mean, I, I think I, I don't know what con- constitutes a dynasty. I don't know how many you have to win in order to to be considered a dynasty like for me like those piston teams in the 80s that won two world uh, two championships are they a dynasty i mean the celtics ended up winning how many did they win i think they won f- three in the 80s you know the the team that really was a dynasty in the 80s was the lakers because the lakers won five but people refer to the celtics as a dynasty now the Bulls clearly are a dynasty because they had six. So I don't I don't know what constitutes an actual dynasty. I don't know how many World Series you have to to win. But what you do need to acknowledge is that the Astros are good. That organization was able to recover from the scandal and still win games and still get to the World Series. They're, the Astros. When was the last time they lost in the first round? Do you remember? It's not, I mean, it seems I mean, like not, they're not, e- not on this run. Not on this run. They haven't. Yeah, it seems first. like they're either getting anim- eliminated in the World Series or they're getting eliminated in the LCS. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They're not doing what the Dodgers are doing. They're not like losing games in 2019 in the wild card in the in the division series. Losing in the division series this year. You know, it's. It's one of those things where I know it pains Dodger fan to do it, but we just got to be honest with ourselves and just acknowledge that they're good. Whether they're a dynasty, that's a good point, Roger. I, 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 I don't know if they're a dynasty, but I think we do have to recognize the fact that they are winning and they consistently win and that they're getting to, to the World Series. I mean, that's four World Series in the same in the span of... Is it like six years now, or is it five? Well, since seventeen. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, yeah. So it's six years in the span of six years they went to four World Series. That's that's a big deal. Hopefully to lose though. But <laughs> so so there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that's going to do it for us here. And um, as I said, uh, so babyface, we are going to continue to do episodes throughout the off season. Correct? Yeah, we'll try and 
hopefully at least maybe at least once a week and then if anything comes down we'll try and you know you know we're still trying to get some you know some good guests to come on and just uh, help us pass the time because uh we got nothing else to do right <laughs> exactly so you you will continue to hear from us maybe not as much as you heard from us during the regular season but the bleed loss podcast is definitely here so please help us spread the word tell your fellow dodger fans who have not yet discovered uh the podcast to to, to check us out you have over a hundred episodes that you can actually go back and listen to if you if you want and uh, listen to some of our takes throughout the year. So that's going to do it for us here. And as usual, we just want to go ahead and recognize our, our sponsor. Um, we always take care of business here. So make sure it, to go to BetOnline, BetOnline.ag, BetOnline, BetOnline, where the game starts. Buenas noches, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.